chapter 2. We'll get there in the morning. I know that seems like a crazy scripture for Father's Day, but uh, we'll get there. But just as you're turning there and you're getting ready, we just have one little intro video to give to you this morning. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning. You are so gracious to us. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all that you've done through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray your blessing over this service. Let our hearts be stirred. Let our eyes be open to see and our ears to hear all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Look at the cover of your outline. There's a memory verse on you that just applies to today and Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and all this will tie together as we move forward. But I want you just to say this out loud with me. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Make this confession with me. Father, today, give me the courage and strength I will need to live my life laid upon the altar of your will so that I may be able to fulfill your purpose in my life, leading my family in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Amen? Amen. And uh, so that applies to all of us, uh, moms and dads, and uh, as, as we have that responsibility of being parents and leading in our families, uh, the only way really to make it happen is to place our life upon an altar in service to others. Being a good father, being a good mother, requires sacrifice. Amen. And a lot of times that becomes a challenge, that the sacrifice that comes with parenthood, many people balk at having to give that up, and we want to do that. And my advice is always this. If you don't want to give up your life, don't have kids. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But once you have children, the rules change. Amen. Until they're grown up, and then when they get to a certain age, it's just time for them to go. Amen. Did my job. I'll always get people laugh at me, and they, people think I'm hard sometimes at doing that. But I remember when I graduated high school, my mom and my stepdad. My dad loved driving truck. He loved doing other things. So my stepdad decided he would quit his job with Bechtel Corporation as an engineer, civil engineer, and he would buy another uh, uh, tractor trailer 
and that, and he would drive truck again cross-country and doing stuff. So they got a job with a moving company doing that, and they had their truck. And so uh, two weeks after I graduated, I'm standing on the porch. They, they left me in their home there. They had a double-wide trailer on an acre up in Central Valley there right up above Redding. And, uh, but I just waved goodbye to my parents. <laughs> They're driving off the road. They go, hey, we raised you. You're 18. You're out of school. You have a job. See you later. Amen. You know, take care of the house, mow the lawn, pay the utilities. If you don't, you'll have to find someplace else to live. <laughs> Amen. And so all of a sudden, the responsibility for my life was thrust upon me, which is not a bad thing. We've lost that today. There are things that have told us, hey, we have to nurture our kids until they're 45. No, not necessarily. No, there, there's that place where you grow up, you raise them to be responsible. And so through that process, as they're coming up, you give them responsibility and dealing with all that. But in the same part, that sacrifice of raising them and nurturing them and giving to them. And like I said, I'm so thankful for the blessing of God upon our life that uh, with uh, being what we're able to share with our children that God w allowed us to have that Sue and I didn't have, the memories that we didn't have, and even Sean's saying memories he didn't have growing up, us being separated in different things. So God is gracious to us. Amen? Amen. So let me ask you this. How is it possible for a man to fulfill the role of a father. I believe it takes power from on high to really be a true father, to be a father as the word of God asks us to be. That's going to take power from on high. Go with me to Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles there as I ask you to turn and I just want to read a passage of scripture with you and then I'm going to share with you uh, some thoughts and I just was praying all week about this and not getting any clarity on really how to tie Father's Day together and what to say versus just saying the same thing over and over. And then yesterday morning as I was sitting, I got up and I'm just sitting at the campfire and I've been reading some devotional material and stuff. And, uh, and then as I'm watching the campfire, God begins to speak. I'm just watching this wood on the fire and God's beginning to speak to me and reveal some things to me. I want to share that with you this morning. But Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with the other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So look at your outline with me at the bottom there. At Pentecost came the fulfillment of the promise that God would be with us. God has shown us, and he is with us in a whole different way. They're there, they're waiting, and at the day of Pentecost, God showed up in everybody's life in a dramatic and a dynamic way. But for the promise to be fulfilled in each and every day life, it has to be taken personally with the challenge for each one to be with God. How many know when Jesus came, they said his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. That's the promise, that God would be with us. But it's not just enough for us to want God to be with us. It is easy for us to desire to have God to be with us. But we, in turn, must be filled with the fervent desire to be with God. You have to have the desire, I have to have the desire to be with God. To have time. God, I, I want to be with you. I don't just want God be with me. I don't want to go through my day and say, God, be with me as I go through my day and never have any time to be with him. 
You know, how many know what I'm saying? There's a difference there than desiring somebody to be with you and you having a desire to be with them, wanting to spend time with them, wanting to be in their presence, not just wanting them to be with you. At Pentecost, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were removed from being localized in just one place at one time in our life. If you follow the nation of Israel, God said, I'll meet with you on the mount. God says, on the mount. Well, then where else was God? Well, God would be in the tabernacle. So if you want to see God, he went there. And then God was in Jerusalem. Then he's in the temple. And then he's here. And then where's Jesus? Well, Jesus is in Canaan. No, he's over in Galilee. Now he's down in Bethsaida. Now he's in Jerusalem. So where is he? Instead of being localized in one place, God became universalized on the day of Pentecost. So Pentecost gave birth to God being universal and experiential in all of our lives. His fullness was now with everyone equally and everywhere. If we so desire him to be with us. He is now on every road and in every man would ever travel. If you read the Gospels, you find that in, in, in the Gospel of John, Two men are walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes alongside them and, and begins to talk to them and reveals himself to them on the road to Emmaus. And they go, oh, didn't our hearts burn within us as he revealed himself to us on the road? Amen? And so for you and I, Jesus has now declared that he wasn't just no longer just meet with somebody on that road, but no matter what road you are on or I am on at any time, any place in our life, Christ is with you on that road because of what happened. And so when we're on the road of fatherhood, when we're on the road of parenting, when we're on the road of necessity in our life, Christ has promised to be there with us through the outpouring of his spirit upon our lives through initiated on the day of Pentecost. So his fullness is now with everyone equally and everywhere if we so desire to be with him. And he is ready and willing to reveal himself to us and cause our hearts to burn within. So these next few moments, I want to talk to you about just this, holy smoke. I was sitting there watching this campfire yesterday, and I'm watching the smoke go up, and the Spirit of God just said to me, that is holy smoke. I said, well, isn't that cool? What does that mean? <laughs> Amen. Now watch this. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 3. How do I become a father? What does holy smoke have to do with being a father? What in the world are we talking about Pentecost? I thought this was Father's Day. Pentecost was a few weeks ago. Well, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, and the New King James read like this. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I would have you, I would just underline, he will burn up the chaff in your Bibles there. If you, it's not too holy if you're still riding it. Amen. The Message Bible says it like this. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm, mere, I'm a mere stagehand. 
He will ignite the kingdom life within you. Listen to that. He will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your life. He's placing everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false he will put out in the trash to be burned. So I'm looking at this fire yesterday, and I'm watching this wood upon the, uh, on this fire. And it's laying there, and every piece of wood I put on that fire ends up being consumed. It just ends up being consumed. And the Bible declares to us that our God is a consuming fire. And he asks us to come into fellowship with him, to come into relationship with him. And is it impossible to come into relationship with fire and not be consumed? Are you listening to me? It is impossible to come into relationship with fire, in contact with fire, and not be ignited and not be consumed. Everything we put in that campfire, every stick my grandkids stuck in it, every bug they threw in it, every pine cone they picked up, everything they could imagine, every piece of paper that they ate off, anything they found that was flammable, anything that wasn't flammable, went in the fire and it was consumed. Amen. And so for your life and my life, that is a great secret. As God began to reveal that, it's such a great secret. Follow with me. With Pentecost came the fire of God set upon each and every life. The wind of God breathing upon the flame until man found himself consumed in the all-consuming fire of God's presence where every element of the chaff of this life would be burned away and each man's life would become his living sacrifice freely placed upon the altar of his heart and offered up to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. Or at Pentecost, God said this, I'm kindling a fire within you. And now I'm asking you to present your life as a living sacrifice that you and I every day, the altar of God is now your heart. And you and I, we lay our lives on, on the altar of our heart. And we allow this inward fire of God to be the consuming thing. And it's just this inward work of purifying that God does in our life. So when we're in relationships as fathers, as husbands and wives, and all those things that rise up to become conflicts in our life, all those things that rise up to create strife and division and can Tension. Those are things that if we would keep them on the altar, if we would just apply the fire to them, they're the chaff that God would burn up. And what we would get is the resolving heat. We would get the benefit. We would get the productivity of the fire. Amen. And then as a result, we're looking at the smoke going up and go, oh, wait a minute. But something is happening. The smoke that is going up is now the fragrance of a life of worship that is given in sacrifice to God. It's no longer me trying to preserve it. We, see, we try to throw our lives on the fire, and then we try to save some of the wood of our life. And we're walking around with these charred lives, and we just stink, and then we're getting charcoal all over. How many know you take wood out of the fire? It's just is messy. You get it out, you touch it. And, and so then we wonder, God, how do I get all this mess? How does all this dirt? Where's the purity? Fire is a refiner. 
It is a refiner, and it works so beneficially in our lives. And as I was just meditating on this, what happened? More than praying in the Spirit, thank God for the Holy Ghost and the manifestation of praying in other tongues. It is the confirmation that we have been set on fire. But there literally is a fire that God has given into our life to help us to be able to be great fathers, to be great husbands, to be great wives, to be great believers, to do everything and meet every need and requirement that is upon our lives. Amen? So think about it. Man would literally become a living sacrifice, living out his life, being consumed by the fire of God. The God who is by nature a consuming fire would now invite men to live in the fire with him. You have an invitation from God to live in the fire with him, to offer themselves set on fire with his presence and upon which the wind of heaven would ever blow, keeping embers alive and consuming everything from his life that is contrary to the nature of God. I watched that little campfire, and the breeze kept blowing through there, and those embers kept burning, and as long as there was wood on that fire, the wind would keep the fire going, and you and I, we keep placing our life. That's why Paul said, I beseech you, you present your body a living sacrifice. Keep laying your life upon the altar, and the, and, and the fire that came, and the wind that came at Pentecost, that wind will begin, continue to blow. But if I quit stoking the fire, if I quit putting the fuel of my life upon the fire, then the fire goes out for a lack of fuel. But if I'm willing to lay my life upon that fire, God, today I choose to give my life as a living. I put this wood in my life and there's a fire on the inside. And then the wind of heaven blow and those embers. Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, there's a gift on the inside of you given by God and the laying on of my hand. Now fan it into a flame. That, that, that the gift of God, that, and so fire is referenced so many times in Scripture in connection to our walk with God, but we are the ones that are stoking the fire. Man's life would not be altered up upon an altar in a temple by a mediator, but upon the altar of his own heart, and God himself would kindle the fire upon it. The life he would live now would be in the flame and in the fire. And when we live that way with God, when you live your life in the fire of God, I want you to hear it this morning, that you will never fear the flame of persecution from this world. Christians are afraid of persecution because of the heat of persecution, the, the, the fire of persecution. But when you're in the fire with God, you're not afraid of fire. The heat of persecution doesn't bother you, for he is already set on fire by God. Wood in the fire is never intimidated by fire. You can't say to wood in the fire, come on, I'm going to burn you up. Dude, I'm already on fire. What are you going to do to me? And, and if you get this, if you can hear this this morning, I, I, I know it. You, you, I, I hope I'm communicating it to you in a way that you can receive it. But when I go back and I read Fox's Books of Martyrs, and I see men and women of God who were put to death for their faith in Christ and they had to stand. When you read about Christians today being beheaded by, by Islamic radical, and you see how, how, radical, you say, how can they do that? How can they have peace? Because they are already in the fire. My life has already been consumed by God. You can't take my life. My life is being lived in the fire of God and it's going up as holy smoke to the Lord. And so you may, you may be able to do something to the wood, but the smoke that's going up, 
is the worship of my life. Amen? That's why men and women, they, they, they were actually set on fire and burned at the stake. And while they're on fire, they're singing praises unto God. Because when you're in the fire, you can't be intimidated by fire. And God says, I invite you into my presence. I am a consuming fire. And as fathers, all the things that we wrestle with, everything that the devil uses against you, men, in relationship, is things that if you would keep it on the fire, it is chaff. It is things that need to be consumed. Our attitudes, our personality, all that stuff that we're trying to preserve is just wood that we're keeping over here for some special thing that we think has some better purpose. But when we lay it on the altar to God and His fire is kindled upon it, it burns out the chaff and it creates an amazing life of worship unto God. Wood in the fire is never intended, intimidated by fire. The three Hebrew children found that life in the fire with God was the place of victory. Think about that. They said, we refuse to bow. And they had already committed their life. They had dedicated their lives to God. And it got them thrown in the fire. But they said, we're not intimidated by fire. Our God is a consuming fire, and we live in his presence. So it's like walking into the presence of God. And then when they get in there, there's a fourth man in the furnace with them who is God there with them in the midst of the fire. Amen? Hallelujah. So the smoke that rises from the flames is the testimony of the life set on fire by God. The wood is consumed, but the fragrance rises to heaven. I just watched that smoke going up. And God says, that life isn't lost. That life is going up to heaven. He says, that's your life. That, 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 that wood, that's your life. And it looks like it's being consumed, like it's being spent. No, but it's going up as a fragrance unto God. Are you doing all right? Now watch this. It becomes the incense of our living praise. Your life being consumed by the fire of God becomes the incense of our living praise and the testimony of our choice to have lived our lives being consumed by God. <coughs> There's nothing greater than we can do than to say, God, here's my life. I place it upon the altar. Let my life be consumed by you. Everything that I have conflict over in my life, in my marriage, with my children, is stuff that I should have allowed to be burned up. There's no value in it. It's just stuff that I chose to hold on to. But if, it, if I would have allowed it to be given as an offering, as a sacrifice to God, it would have turned into something glorious. Amen? And every time I allow that to happen, in fact, I, I have this comment here that, that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed me to live long enough in Him to get past myself. Amen? Amen? That I've been allowed to live long enough to get past myself. So think about it. God never kindles the fire of his presence upon a life just to consume it. We're afraid today. God, if I give you my life, wait, I'm consumed my life. God doesn't just burn up wood. My, my grandkids just burn stuff up to burn it up. Can we burn this? Can we, every question, can we burn this? Can we burn this? Can we burn this? Can we burn this? And then I get caught up in it. Yeah, we can burn anything you can find, amen? Because we're all just kids in big skin. But uh, God doesn't do that. God doesn't burn things and to consume things without purpose. Rather, he does it to, cons to use it for his glory. And in the end, to glorify that life with him for eternity. This is the promise. That if you and I lay our lives upon this altar, if we allow the fire that came at Pentecost to ignite, as the Message Bible said, that, that he's coming to ignite a fire within us. 
not just the outward fire. We've made this all too outwardly instead of inwardly. In every one of our lives, not just Father's Day, but every person this morning, there is a fire that God has set upon our lives when we receive Him. And then He'll breathe the wind of heaven. He'll keep that fire going. And if I can just daily, when Paul says, I beseech you, place your life upon that. Well, how do I? And, I, and I'm meditating on that. I say, how do I put my life upon the altar? And then God said, that fire is within you. And, and that's what the message was so good. He kindled this fire within. So here's this altar fire. And if I just keep giving my life and committing my life and placing my life upon the altar, then all the chaff, I don't have to do the work. God's purity and his fire just consumes it. And it becomes such a great act of his grace in our lives. How many would agree this morning? Amen. So uh, I want to pray for our fathers today and just bless them. But before I do, I want you, everybody to hear this clip on Father's Day and how much you mean to your Heavenly Father.
you bow your heads with me as the worship team comes back? Father, today I thank you that you truly are our Father. You love us and you created us. And you have set your love upon us. You know us intimately in each and every area of our lives. So Father, today I pray for healing for each and every one in this room. Lord, we live in a world, as you know, that is full of brokenness and hurt rejection, abandonment. And Father, there are those that carry wounds when they think of fathers that have been inflicted just because of a lack of sacrifice, a lack of giving of self towards others. Lord, we live in a world that has perverted and twisted the true meaning of being a father. We live with the pain and the hurt and the results of that influence upon our lives. But Lord, you are the great healer. You are the great restorer. And Father, many times it is hard for people to come to you because they've never seen anything of you in their natural father. To trust, to be open, to receive care and nurturing, covering, protection is hard because they've never experienced it. So today I pray for your healing in each and every heart. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you that's held back because of pain in their life, Father, I pray that you would heal them today, that they would find your forgiveness and they would know your restoration that comes without measure, without limits, but comes to fully restore and replace everything that's been lacking in their life. Father, you are the God who fills up the empty places, who heals and restores the brokenhearted. You are the God who adopts every orphan into your family. You've given each of us the spirit of adoption and we now cry out from our hearts, Abba, Father. And you love us with a love that can never be diminished, will never fail, and will always be true. So we thank you today for your love upon us. And we give you praise in this place in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, praise the Lord. If you're a father here today, I'm going to ask you just to come forward. Pastor Sue and I want to bless you with a gift this morning and uh, give into your life. And uh, then we want to pray over you. Amen. Oh, we can do it right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Praise the Lord. Come on in here, James. Bless you, buddy. 
Now, guys, I just want you to stand there as we pray over you this morning, pray over all of our dads. And those of you sitting out here, I just put this prayer within our, our outline this morning that you can keep and take with you. But becoming a father is one thing, but being a father is another. The challenges of life and relationship, the pressures of performance and comparison, the balancing act of dreams and desires with duty and responsibility, the need to have the answer when many times we aren't even sure of the question, while trying to live up to the expectations of those we have been given to lead, protect, and provide for can seem to be a daunting task at times. But pulling it all together and placing our lives in the hands of our Heavenly Father helps every man to be the father he is ordained and equipped by him to be. So today we offer this prayer up for you. Because one of the most powerful forces in the universe is the power that God has given to fathers. As fathers, you shape us, form us, impact us, and influence. Which is why we pray for you as fathers here today and everywhere. We pray for the dads that are working long hours to provide our needs to make our lives a little more safe and comfortable every day. May you know how much you're loved and appreciated. We pray for the dads who are now grandfathers. May you be blessed with the appreciation of a life well lived for others, supported by their love, and rewarded with a long nap today after lunch. Today we pray for the adult children whose fathers have passed away. May you remember them with honor and joy and experience the freedom and peace in your heart that only your Heavenly Father can give, allowing His grace and mercy to fill every void and bring His comfort to your loss. We pray today for those men who have grown up with absent fathers. For you today, this day does not hold the joyous memories and treasures of a life that others share. May you always stand firm as you break the cycle and raise your children in a home filled with security and where trust is always present. Today we also pray for single and divorced fathers. The circumstances of brokenness and choices may have separated you from your children and made the task even harder. But may you find in Christ the grace and strength you will need to live fully engaged, unconditionally, in love, and in the lives of your children, for they need their father, and you need them. Today we pray also for fathers of children with special needs. May your energy, strength, compassion, love, and amazing grace be replenished as you minister to and give to your children the special love and attention they require. May you find God's grace this day to be more than sufficient for you, knowing that your heavenly reward is great. We pray for those men today who have lost their children. One of the greatest sorrows of this life is to outlive your children on this side of eternity. May God fill their absence in your life with His genuine and abiding presence. May you find His comfort in the hope that lies before us. <coughs> Excuse me. So today we pray for every father who is facing every challenge that comes with this task of being a father. We pray for God's wisdom to abide with you so that you may lead your families into peace. We pray for God's courage to be upon you so that you may find the strength you will need to stand for truth 
and to do the right thing at the right time in the right place. We pray for God's compassion to be upon you and His mercy to guide you in times of correction over your family. We pray most of all for your identity to be secure in Christ, knowing who you are in Christ, being at peace in your own hearts and leading your families in the path of righteousness as you shape us, form us, impact and influence our lives as the fathers we need you to be. Now, Father, we thank you and we pray this blessing over your men, over your fathers. Lead them, guide them, direct them by your Spirit. Father, give them the courage today to place their lives upon that altar as a living sacrifice. Give them the courage to accept the challenge, to live in your presence, the consuming fire, allowing your presence to burn the chaff away, to remove everything that is unnecessary, that their lives may be truly that holy smoke that rises as a fragrance of praise and worship unto you. Bless their lives, bless their homes and their families. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you, dads. We love you. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just stand and worship God for a moment. Whether you're a father, a mother, whether you're single, wherever you are, you have an invitation from God to place your life upon His altar, to allow the fire of God to work within you, burn up every area of chaff, every distraction, everything that's contrary, to live a life that produces that holy smoke of worship and adoration unto God. Hallelujah.